ทาโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโทอาราหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโทอาราหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะอาภารุธาเดสังมัตสัทวราเยสุรวันธาบมุนจันทุสัตหังContemplating the life of a of a samana, uh, then we, if you notice, we we we're not. It's the emphasis is on what's wrong, but uh, noting what is good, what is wholesome, what is uh, um, right in terms of our own uh, experience. The things around us. We dwell on the on on the say the the four requisites. Not that the, you know, just to 
filled with gratitude for thing, the, the requisites, the basic things needed for survival that are given. Uh, or on the opportunity to take the precepts or to uh, become a monk or a nun or to uh, what the, having we feel gratitude to the Buddha for having uh, shared his enlightenment and left a um, convention that we can still use so we what's right about Amravati, what's good about Amravati uh, emphasizing this is, is, a, is, a, is a way of a summoner rather than than uh, complaining about what we don't like about it. Or about the different uh, teachers, ajans, uh, monks and nuns and so forth. What, 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 do we, what is good about it? Emphasizing the good. It doesn't mean uh, that we're becoming goody-goody, but it, I think it is a very necessary thing to to train ourselves to feel grateful for what, what is good in our lives rather than become obsessed with the things that are wrong or not so good. Or about yourself. We, we do the same with ourselves. We tend to, to make such a, an enormous, uh, we're so concerned about what's wrong or our fault. Uh, that uh, sometimes we aren't even aware of what our own goodness. What's good about it? We can, uh, living here in Britain, we can, people em emphasize what's wrong here, and things that they don't like, and, and uh, not give much attention to what, what is good. The critical mind, isn't it? It's a, they, we can, why, why, I've asked myself, why do I take the thing that's wrong and kind of uh, become obsessed with it? I mean, I'm, I do that, just like anyone else. Why do I take what, what isn't right or what is wrong or what's slightly off and uh, just make a, a big thing out of it, an issue? I realize my mind's conditioned to do that. That uh, the that um, I wasn't brought up in a society that that uh, that really um, uh, encouraged us to be, say, grat grateful or be content. A society always based on competition, on trying to improve, make things better, because the way they are now isn't good enough. Uh, last year's model is not as good as the new, improved version. Uh, we've got to always try to improve our status or increase our income or, or better ourselves in some way. A, a higher standard of living. To, to be content with with a low standard of living is not encouraged in the capitalist system. So the 
this the world we live in is like this it the uh, we 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 become obsessed with what's wrong and we do this in say with uh, also in our kind of racial biases and ethnic preferences and all that based on what's wrong with somebody isn't it? what we don't like about the French or what we don't like about the Germans or what we don't like about the uh, um, Africans or so on and so forth like we we make so much uh, of what what is different what is irritates or what doesn't agree with us Devotional practices then are are the are the reverse of that, isn't it? Like, we're uh, when we develop, say, devotion, we're dwelling, we're, we're expressing gratitude, uh, the sense of of appreciation, of of joy, of happiness for what for the good things that are that we have in our lives, our good qualities. The goodness of our parents, uh, the goodness of our friends, of the Sangha, of the society we live in. So this brings a joyfulness to life. When you think of your own goodness, uh, I used to think if I thought of my own goodness I'd get, uh, if I, I'd get a big ego. You know, so you, there's this kind of false assumption, this kind of Pseudo humility that that uh, some people subscribe to, by thinking that admitting all your faults means you're being honest. That like on these uh, programs uh, that I hear about on television, these talk shows where somebody gets uh, they oh, they never tell they don't invite people to tell them about what's good. They can invite tell people to confess their faults. Right now they obsessed with President Clinton's faults, what he does wrong, and then the press, and, he <laughs> and, uh, and you see it here in Britain now, the, the Tories are just so eager to jump on Tony Blair any chance they can, just, they see he's wrong, no good. <laughs> Anything you can, you can get, you know, that proof, Humanity itself, being a human being. What is, what is the good thing of being a human being, rather than just saying uh, we're all just a bunch of consumers, a greedy, selfish uh, creatures that are polluting the planet. That's one way of looking. Humanity is basically greedy and selfish. That's looking at, at what's wrong with humanity. And then, uh, then making a categorical statement about nature of humanity through what's wrong with it, through its faults. But what's what's good about humanity? So we start thinking about what's good about being human, or about all human beings, and what do we share in our goodness, and not in terms of. Uh, uh, which isn't racial or ethnic, but what is basically good in, 
uh, in in humanity that we can um, bring into our consciousness to feel an increasing respect and and a gratitude for our or for our own humanity that we share with with the with the other human beings. Or like these uh, uh, feminist movements or men's movements or things like this where, you, where men can dwell on what's wrong with women or women can dwell on what's wrong with men. Get into these positions. Well, men are like this, women are like that. And usually taking the, the, the uh, faults and and uh, making a categorical judgment about nature of masculinity or femininity. Then we think, what is good? What is the what is the good thing about being male or female? So we're we're bringing into you know, our consciousness uh, the way things are. We're not trying to convince ourselves of something that's not true, or just just live in a world of uh, that is. Just trying to be positive and, uh, as as a, as a as a way of rejecting and, and ignoring the, what's wrong and what's negative. It's not we're not doing it in order to increase our stupidity, but to to be able to see and know things as they are. Because basically, in terms of Say, reflect on myself, even though I have faults and weaknesses, basically I'm a good person. I love the good, I want to be good, I want to be honest and truthful. I don't want to harm people or creatures. And, and it doesn't mean I don't harm, but it, my intention is good. I like to be generous, uh, so forth. I, I oftentimes I have a tendency to take the side of the underdog and the, the feels that, you know, always had a longing to go and work in the slums, help the poor, and uh, dedicate my life to noble causes and, and uh, good things. And yet I have another side too that isn't like that. That can be quite selfish and insensitive, and and just uh, you know seek distractions and pleasures just to uh, in a in a heedless and selfish way, or a kind of laziness, not wanting to be bothered, that kind of thing. But if I take that as as the summation of my character, then I'm missing out on what is really what is what. I'd rather emphasize and and cultivate than than uh, be uh, kind of settle for for the other for the, the negative version, as if that was being somehow very honest and truthful. So in um, practice. In, in Thailand, for example, they, uh, one of the practices is to recollect the good things of your life, your own goodness, the good things you've done, 
to be able to have this sense of uh, to really uh, to respect yourself, to have this self-respect, this goodness that that we can respect our intention, our love of the good, the the true and the beautiful. Panya is the ability to discern, and so uh, discernment is isn't isn't being critical. And we're not saying this is better than that, and 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 uh, getting caught up in just um, preferring this over that or liking this better than that. But discernment through wisdom is the ability to know things as they are. To know the good is the good and the bad is the bad. But not to, to hate the bad and become attached to the good. But to be able to relate to uh, the conditioned realm with wisdom, with compassion, as we they free ourselves from the delusions uh, of our uh, conditioning. Taking wisdom to its ultimate, uh, discerning the, the real from the unreal. What is, what is real? What is reality and what is illusion? So in meditation, the you know the vipassana meditation is developing that uh, that discernment to know that all conditions are impermanent. The pesankarani cha. The discerning, actually, is not not operating from grasping the view, but in 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 uh, insightfully observing the the nature of sankharas, uh, because sankhara is a, is a category, all conditioned phenomena. That includes the body, the feelings, the perceptions, the uh, karma formations, the consciousness, all that we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think, feel. All sankharas are impermanent. They, they, it's a, a way of of noting sankara as sankara, without uh, getting lost in the quality or, or of the of the sankara, because sankaras are in, are infinitely variable. They're good, bad, right, wrong, high, low, male, female, black and white, and red and blue, and on and on like that. So, uh, all sankaras uh, are impermanent. So in that way, just by recognizing the, the impermanence of conditions, then we are, we're not judging, but we're, it helps us to, to detach, to let go, to not uh, delude ourselves with the conditioned world that we live in. Because if we don't do this, we don't discern, we don't uh, 
see things as they are, then we tend to be always lost in the in the in the realm of the sankaras, all the you know, trying to get this or get rid of that or change this or make this better or blame somebody or with all these in the struggle of of uh, trying to control, manipulate, and and that uh, in the in the realm of the, the conditioned. To discern, to know the unconditioned, so that also is the is is the ultimate is the enlightenment of the human mind, where you you're freeing yourself from identity with the changing conditions of the body and mind. Letting go of your uh, of the habit of identity with the habits of attachment to the condition, and realizing non-attachment. So, like when we use the word nibbana, the realization, the reality of non-attachment. Because with mindfulness, isn't it, you have the ability to observe attachment and non-attachment. In the moment now, here and now, as you, as you practice and you pay attention, listen and pay attention in the present, then you, you, you're increasingly aware of, of what you're attached to. Attachment is like this. In the long retreats, you can oftentimes get really a good insight into attachment, always trying to get something, get somewhere, wanting some some refined state of samadhi, wanting to have views in views of, attached to views about practice and attached to various uh, things of, that you that you believe in and so forth. Wanting to get rid of things, wanting to, always um, wanting to get rid of the the uh, the bad and hold on to the good. So attachment or upadana, grasping, clinging is like it's always this kind of fraught feeling, you know, this unsettledness and tension that we create through attachment to upadana. So when we, though that's the dukkha of the first noble truth, the suffering, but when we recognize this, admit it and see it, then we let go. We, we, uh, we, we have that insight into letting go. And then realizing non-attachment. Non-attachment is peaceful. That when, when there's non-attachment, then it's nibbana is peaceful. We talk about nibbana, it's 
we think of it as a kind of realm, you know, Nibbana is some kind of peaceful realm that we kind of float into, maybe. A kind of blissful state of peace. But that, don't, don't, don't wait for that to happen, because that won't. But you will, or if it does, it won't, you can't sustain it. Some kind of a high state of, of uh, bliss. But you can integrate non-attachment. More and more you, you realize how to live within the uh, limitations of our human state and being able to respond to life suitably and appropriately without being attached to anything. So, like the arahant is the term for one who's not, not attached to anything. But an arahant isn't kind of an inoperable uh, being that, that is no longer functioning. Or floats up on a cloud, lives on cloud seven. Non-attachment, mm. uh, emptiness, anatta, non-self. These are realizations uh, of the unconditioned. So the realization is is reality. Reality is here and now. It's not something you create or you get later on. But it. Through the awakened, uh, the awakened mind, that we realize the truth, the reality of the present, of the way it is, the real. Though so discerning the real from the unreal is panya, and we can do that as human beings. And this teaching of the Lord Buddha is very, you know, is very, uh, is aimed at that. It's a very skillful tool. To, so that it, we have the we have the uh, perfect tool, whether how we use it or not, it's up to us. Also, to uh, we tend to. The self-view we have oftentimes is always seeing ourselves, uh, what's wrong with us in, uh, in, our, uh, in our weaknesses. So we, we oftentimes lack a, a confidence in our own experience. A madness is where, when you go crazy, when you go mad, when you actually believe the delusions of your mind is reality. They're like psychosis, and that's where you're actually totally committed to the, to the, uh, uh, and totally believe unquestioningly in the, in what you're thinking or feeling, as reality. They talk to a psychotic person, and and, 
and uh, you can't convince them otherwise. They completely convince them what their paranoia, their view of everything is absolutely true. So there, they have confidence uh, in their delusions. So when I ask you to be confident in yourself, I'm not asking you to be confident with your delusions, but to be confident, to trust yourself and the ability to discern the real from the unreal. So the real isn't isn't uh, my feeling or my my preferences or me what I like and what I think and all that. That's not that's not the reality. The reality the, that what I trust is my ability to to be awake and pay attention when I'm in the state of awareness. I'm listening, the soda wanta, the listener. I trust this very much. And that poised state of awareness, intuitive awareness, just the, the attentiveness of the mind. I trust that. I don't trust any, any opinions and views and, because I, you can see, you know, how they're, they're conditioned. So you can be aware of, of these views. And, I mean, I like this, it shouldn't be like that. And uh, I can still feel emotions and, and uh, opinions coming and going and old habits operating. But no longer do I... Uh, judge them, try to get rid of them, or believe in them. Because the refuge is in the awakeness rather than in some idea about getting rid of things or believing in something. So in the life here, developing life of a samana, uh, you know, it's uh, a simple life. So, you know, and in here in England it is, a, it, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, we're on the freaky fringe of this society. We're the oddballs, the misfits, in terms of European civilization. And, uh, but fortunately now, they, they in in England they don't uh, they don't persecute religious people anymore. They used to. You go some places they used to burn witches and and heretics and <laughs> but they don't do that anymore. So it's uh, it, it, you know they kind of leave us alone. And we have our requisites in abundance, and this beautiful temple was built on donations. Just people having faith in us and what we're doing and making donations to build a temple. This, this was, uh, you know, all offered of 
for us, for you know, to to be a place that that encourages uh, our practice. The traditional form we use a Theravada form, which is uh, good enough. You got you know, it's a convention that we, we, uh, you know, maybe we don't like everything about it. You don't have to agree with it all, or, or you know, it's not a party line that we're after. But it's basically uh, a, a convention that that it works all right, and and uh, and encourages us to practice. So people are always looking for something better, modern Buddhism or British Buddhism or American Buddhism. Um, something we can always think of, you know, the opinions about monasticism being no longer uh, useful in modern life and that people have various opinions and views. But don't let that intimidate you, because the point is uh, that it uh, it does work. It's usable, <coughs> and it and it gives us something that we can that 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 isn't coming from from our from my view or your view, isn't it? It's a it's a tradition that has been handed down for two thousand five hundred years, so it, it has a kind of a credibility because of its antiquity and it, and it isn't just some new age uh, fad or fashion but it does have its uh, warts and problems but that's all right it's not we're not asking the convention to be perfect we're just uh, grateful for the convention we have, that it is good as it is. This is a more useful attitude than uh, than uh, just uh, thinking that you've always got to wrestle with the convention, make it better and more modern and more with it and more this and that. Uh, because we, we and they're trying to improve it, we end up with maybe a more modern convention, but have missed the point of it, and lost the spirit. Uh, in terms of the Samana life, remember it's a, it's a, a life based on alms mendicancy. I mean, we're putting ourselves in, a, in the position of dependency on the goodness and kindness of other people. So that's an act of faith. You know, why should anybody bother to feed us or care about us. You know, many, many of us are not even English. And why should they, people in this country, give a hoot? <laughs> and then, uh, but, and, but because people are good, and they recognize the good, it brings out their goodness. Like this, the meal today, the, all the people that came, 
or there's the Sri Lankan people and Thai people that came to uh, give us food. I mean, they, it's, uh, something, it gives them joy. They want to, to provide for us. So we have this this uh, this uh, convention, and then to uh, you know learn how to use it skillfully, so it it awakens you rather than you just become institutionalized through it. Because any convention, you can just become you know you can become a cipher in a system or a party liner a card-carrying Theravadan monk or something like that. You know, uh, it's easy to just fit into the program, go along with the, with the propaganda, with the party line. But that's not what we're after. We're after encouraging this awakenness, this discernment. How to use this convention so that it that we were, you know, it helps us to to be mindful with life, with the things around us. And of course, this is what we have to do individually. You can't force somebody to to do it. This is where you, you know, the wisdom. I mean, your, in your own ability to awaken. You know, I can say wake up, but whether you do it or not, it's up to you. And uh, and then how to use this convention is up to you. You know how to make it work for you, rather than just be caught into the convention, trying to be a good monk and nun and and uh, and um, and. Uh, conform in order to get approval and and to get perks and and all the rest that that are the reasons for institutionalizing humanity. Something in I can see in my own experience how how uh, you know I was uh, afraid of taking on the responsibility. I remember in the, I could see in myself in in the year, early years in Thailand, just wanting to be told, you know, what should I do next, and what should I believe, and and what's right, and and wanting. You know the senior monks, Rajan Chah, or that, to just kind of, uh, you know, just wanting to conform and fit in. And uh, and then that that in one way I think was quite necessary in the beginning, in order to to just learn how to to. Uh, Keep the vinaya and 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 go along in the, and use the tradition. But then, if that's all you do with it, then it, you either end up with just some kind of 
you know, uh, professional monk or nun, that doesn't uh, doesn't uh, develop any wisdom, or you disrobe. You can't stand just conforming to this institution as an end in itself. It's pretty, you know, that's all you do. It's pretty joyless life if you just just using it as an act of conformity. So. Uh, in the awakening, because the emphasis on bhavana, or awakening the mind, I thought, well, if I'm going to be a monk my whole life, I've got to learn how to live this life so that I enjoy being a monk. I have the experience of joyfulness in this life. And it's a way of living that works and, and uh, that I can uh, develop the, uh, as I get older. It's not just a, a kind of um, initial training camp of some sort, but a way of living, the, the lifestyle, an alternative lifestyle, as they say. And so this is one, one of my, I, I, th I feel very successful in this actually. Because uh, the life works for me. So it, <laughs> uh, it's something that I enjoy. I enjoy monastic life. And I have uh, an appreciation of it. And I like the simplicity, the kind of quality of it. I'm very grateful that I can live like this <clears throat> uh, at this time in a country like this. It's you know, kind of, when I think of it, it seems extremely strange, you know, to be an American Buddhist monk living in Hertfordshire. <laughs> All the kind of, uh, it's so incongruous. <laughs> Never anything that one would have expected, <laughs> or in wildest fantasies to have uh, created. Uh, but it's certainly a, an enjoyable life. And the joy comes not through, through uh, demanding things of it, but in, in learning how to live it. So that you're awake and aware in it. Because the, the awakened mind, human mind, is a joyful mind. There's a lot of light and joy uh, and bliss that's natural to the human mind when it's not cluttered and bound into, its, into the conditioned delusions. As you, as you uh, recognize that and see the, the value of letting go of your delusions, then, then more and more you, you, uh, you, you just, it becomes, you know, a, a, you're, you're one pointed in that, not to, not to let anything delude you.
So then, listening to my mind, sometimes I hear, you know, the complaining going on or the criticism going on. But I know, I know those things. I don't believe them anymore. I, but I trust in the, the uh, my, my refuge isn't in my emotional habits or my views and opinions. Or my position or anything like that. I was thinking, telling somebody the other day that you think like being spiritual director or a abbot or an ajahn or a, I, I'm a, I have a, I have several uh, posh titles given to me. Monastic ecclesiastical titles. And do these give you, give me joy? Having titles and being a, an important person. I think, no, there's no joy in, the, in any of that. Not the, the, being somebody important or having a, a, a you know, a, some, some title or position is not, to me, is not uh, an experience of joy. But the joy of my life comes in the, through the emptiness of the mind, through not being anything. Not having to be anything. Uh, just the, the joy of just the, the simplicity, the goodness of the life. The, the gratitude for, for the, the kindness that people have, the gratitude for the shelter, for the night, and uh, contentment, feeling of contentment with, uh, with, with what, what I, the way life is, is in life, they, most of my monastic life is, is because it is based on very simple things. It, I've always, it's basically one, one uh, feels content with it. If you, if you let go of these tendencies to always uh, Remember one time in, I was dry, some, some, somebody from uh, Bangkok offered to drive me up to uh, Udon in the northeast in a Mercedes, in, a, in an air-conditioned Mercedes, white Mercedes. I was sitting in this beautiful Mercedes-Benz sedan <laughs> with the air conditioning in the hot season in northeast Thailand and and everything was dried up, and the guy on the, looking at these kind of uh, fields as before the rains, and uh, everything's brown, and a little kind of uh, bamboo huts out in the fields, and and I, and I realized that somehow I'd, I wouldn't mind, you know, if uh, being in one of those bamboo huts rather than in the Mercedes. That the the contentment of the mind was wasn't dependent upon uh, having uh, a Mercedes air, air conditioned Mercedes. 
and the contentment was was wasn't uh, wasn't because of of conditions, but it was as an attitude that one has cultivated over the years as living the life of a samana. So these are the, uh, you know, the, the potential uh, of this life, but also recognize that, that the, we're not, one isn't trying to intimidate you, thinking you should be grateful and should be content. Uh, that that is a, that is a, not a, a good thing to to uh, thrust at people that you should feel this way. But it is a natural way to feel when you let go of your own discontentment and self obsessions and delusions. So that's why in in uh, vipassana practice you you're looking at the you know you you you're not judging yourself by saying you your discontentment is is wrong or bad it's just to recognize discontentments like this it's discerning when i'm attached it's like this it feels like this when there's attachment to this and that then it's like this non attachment is like this this we can actually observe and realize no, suffering is like this, and non-suffering is like this. And it's through this uh, intuitive awareness that we that we can uh, that we know, the direct knowing. It's not knowing about or having some idea about suffering and non-suffering or contentment and discontentment. It's it's knowing the reality of it. If you're really discontent, miserable, and unhappy, then look at that. It's like, what is it? Take an interest in it. Understand it. Rather than just try to dismiss it or think there's something wrong with you for having it. But the suffering that you do experience is to be understood. So if you're really miserable, unhappy, then then look at it. Learn from it. Contemplate it, examine it, rather than blame it on yourself or somebody. So suffering is like this. And as you begin to uh, trust in your ability to understand suffering, you realize non-suffering more and more. You'll know no non-suffering. In Thai they have, a, they say, the one who knows, the puru. Ru is to know in Thai, the puru. The buto, the, the Buddha, the one who knows. The the one who is awake, putern, the one who's awake. So knowing, awakeness, receptive in the present, these are the qualities of the Buddha. But don't think of these as some, as some abstract Buddha, but this is the, 
when we this is within our potential, isn't it, to be awake, to know, be awake, and be receptive in the present. This is not some kind of high high state that Buddhas have that just somebody ordinary person like you can't do, isn't it? I used to have awake, awake. What is awake in this? Because I mean, I, I understand awake. Wake up in the morning and uh, awake. But am I really awake? And then, then you've you've got to be mindful and you've got to practice hard. And then, but then you're you're attached to these views about you've got to be mindful. So. And then the awakeness is awareness, isn't it, of that? Remember the, 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 you know, where you're trying to be mindful. I've got to be mindful, I've got to be mindful, and then you do something really stupid, something really heedless. And because you're attached, you know, you say, mindfulness, mindfulness, and then you're so attached to the view, you, you stub your toe or fall off the edge of something. <laughs> so it's not in attaching to a view about being mindful, but it, in, the, in the being aware. Just a very simple state of listening. You can't see it. You know, like I'm sitting, I'm aware now. I don't look any different, do I? But I know inwardly it's different. This awaken is different than when I'm caught in no oh, worry or memories of the past or fantasies or resentments or fears or blame and things like that. Uh, wake up, wake. It's just a that that sense of just listening. It's kind of wide expansiveness of the mind. It's not caught into anything. Simple act, isn't it? Very simple. It's not not like a great attainment after thirty two years of monastic life. But to trust in that simple state of awakeness, because you're you're emotionally conditioned for delusions. You I mean you just be awake and all that? Well, what do you mean? How does it mean be awake? And you get caught up in trying to figure out how to be awake rather than just being awake. <laughs> So, there's more encouragement and uh, for your life here and uh, the, the um, to uh, develop, you know, you know, like 
a sense of self-respect is to is to begin to appreciate your own goodness. That's important in the, in the holy life. It's not building some kind of egotistical overestimation or inflating yourself in the I'm really good, wonderful person. You don't have to do that. In, in you know, just to build yourself up with positive thinking, but admit what is you know what is what. You, if you were a bad person, would you be here? Would you want to be in this place? Are there any bad people here? <laughs> they don't want to come here. This, is, this isn't a place where bad people are attracted. Well, they're good because you're good. <laughs> and and to let that kind of resonate in in your mind, so that you you have this, uh, the, you know, this sense of of respect for for your own goodness, for your humanity, for your good intentions, for for your intention for being a a monk or nun. These are these are things to respect in yourself, rather than to sit around thinking about the mistakes you've made in the past and your weaknesses and, and how you have a problem with jealousy or you have a problem with anger or you, you you've uh, and all that, you know endlessly kind of uh, become obsessed with the things you you see as inadequate and not very good don't make such a, a, a don't make that into what you regard yourself as being, because the the truth of it is those not to deny those those kind of emotions or those kind of habits, but are they really that important? Is it really that bad? <laughs> you know, ask yourself, investigate. So I offer this as a reflection.